Hey, it is party time, Mom. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show, Studio 22, The Mothership. Puppet Master, I'm going to need you to uh, set, the, set the course headings for the border. We're going to go to the border today, all right? We're going to fly into the nether regions of all things border crisis with our special guest, Victor Avia, and Kayla, Kayla Swift, as I like to call you. We got to come up with a better nickname for you, I think, than Kayla Swift. And, of course, Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. And I'm trying to think of a better one, you know, because Justin, when he's in here, just in case Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, isn't here, that's a long nickname. <laughs> that's a long one. So I'm, I'm on the prowl for new nicknames, right? Hot news, Natalie. Party foul, Steve. Lisa Page made me do it. What's that sticker you wear? I love the sticker. It should be a pop socket. Yeah, Delta Dawn. Name, What's that sticker uh, you got on? Pop socket. Yeah. I'm trying to see if you can even read it. Uh, but it's got, see, we got our new little logos right there. I don't know if you guys can see them right there. The Chad yeah. Prather Show. Look at that. Official. Yeah, we got them on the back of the mic. We're like getting, we're going to be a real thing one day. No. Like we're going to have people no. that watch this show. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> they do all that stuff right before they ax you. That's, that's <laughs> sorry, Chad. That's the deal. They, <laughs> they pump you up for so it. Yeah. Like, I think my contract here at The Blaze is coming up in a few months. So you never know. I, I don't sign? know at this point. They'll say, hey, we got your stickers for your mic. Yeah. No pay raise. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to say words on the, today's episode that could get me uh, canceled in cancel culture. Though. Victor, we were talking about before we got on here You because you got your book out, uh, Agent Under Fire. We're going to talk about this story. It's a fascinating, fascinating story you've got, Victor. And uh, we're going to talk about what's going on down at the border today. But um, you, you were saying that. These days you can't you can't call uh, illegals you can't border patrol agents can't write illegal on yeah. the documents right yeah the Biden administration just sent it out through yesterday through the uh, Department of Homeland Security you cannot use the term illegal alien mm -hmm. or assimilation. Mm. Not even in course legal documents, like in reports or to the U.S. courts or uh, reports of investigation, um, and this is nuts because. That's the legal term, right? In the uh, Immigration and, and Nationality Act, the book that I have at home, I still have it. That's how it's referred to. Yeah, uh, a resident alien card is issued. It's even on the card. That's the the term that we use. This has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with yeah. immorality or anything. That that's just the legal term that you refer to a person that is not from this country yeah. and is here without any documents. You cha start changing the language. It's always first. You yeah, start changing the language. If you either come into this country legally or illegally, period, right? Nope, Two not ways. anymore. Not under Biden. Not anymore. No. All right. They're changed the language. I can see maybe language. doing away with the alien part. Maybe there's another word we use other than alien, but. I've said over and over again, guys, you've heard, and this is just burned in my soul. There's no way to create a solution to a crisis and be politically correct at the same time. You just can't do it. Yeah. They keep moving the goalposts on what's politically correct. So now if I can't use the word illegal when you're illegal and I can't say that you need if you come into this country, you need to assimilate into this country. And we know for a fact that those coming here do not have any desire to assimilate. They, they want to bring the culture of their own country here. And you're absolutely right, Chad. What it is, it's they're setting it up for the continuing open borders policy that they yeah. love and that, that we're seeing at the border right now. And the crisis that he, he obviously slipped and said it was a crisis. Yeah. Biden said, you know, we, we've been waiting for him to say that word. And then he <laughs> said it. And then immediately the White House says, well, wait a minute. It wasn't you, you not that Saki? crisis. Yeah. yeah. Not that crisis. We're talking about another crisis. Yeah. Somewhere in Central America, but not the one at the border. 
Yeah, Jim Saki. She she was bending over backwards with with verbal gymnastics, trying to <laughs> right. weave her way. Back quick, she? Yeah, she was circling, circling back real circling quick. Uh, somebody get that girl a hair tie or something to get that hair out of her freaking face. She cannot stop messing with her hair the entire time. I mean, it is, and I love how she virtue signals as soon as she comes in, she'll take her mask off, and she, then when she's done, she immediately puts the mask back on. That's her way of saying press conference is over. You know, it, it just it, you and you know what it drives me crazy is when I go to the drive-thru and I order food and I've got to talk to somebody not only through a plexiglass yes. deal, but they're wearing a mask and I don't, I already can't understand them without the mask. And now they're trying, and I can't hear a word they're And saying. you can't read their lips. And they stick the card reader out there and I've got to try to yeah. stick the card right While in that hole. It's like, for you. It's yeah. like one, it's, <laughs> I got jokes. Uh, I'm just not going to talk about. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard. This is first world problems. It's okay though. We don't. We well, don't have to I'm worry excited about it. that you invited Officer Poncharelli. I know, right? Chips, baby. Yes. Dean Kane. Skinny Dean Kane. Skinny Dean Kane. Skinny Dean Kane. We're going to get into it today, guys. It's going to be a fun episode. Uh, the Blaze and I have warned you about home title theft, where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become you become they become the owner of your home. I said you better get home title lock because it's coming, folks. If you're on Facebook. There was a big breach, uh, and Facebook had 500 million accounts that were exposed to cyber thieves. And according to retired FBI cybercrime expert, everything thieves need to take over as the new owner of your home was leaked. Your name, address, personal information, it's out there, folks. The thief forges your signature on a quick claim deed stating you sold your home to them, and they're going to leave you in debt or even have you evicted from your own home because, according to the title, you don't own it anymore. Uh, do what I did. Protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use promo code RADIO. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code RADIO. We'll be right back. Yeah, I mean, I can understand, as we were saying, the, them trying to get rid of the word alien, right? Which is stupid. It comes from the Latin, which just means from someplace else, right? And that's, it, but we've, we've created a meaning for words that don't exist. And uh, this, this whole thing, if, if we don't define the problem, we can't solve the problem. And we do have a border crisis. I, I looked up alien. It's relating, belonging, or owing allegiance to another country or government. Mm -hmm. That's it. That is the Miriam. I'm sure that's going to change yeah. that definition. But they got to change that anyway because of the real aliens coming. <laughs> they're watching. Soon. They're offended. So they, they're the real aliens. The real yeah. <laughs> There's so much wrong with that one statement that I don't even <laughs> want to start unpacking it. The real aliens. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but don't worry. China is putting laser beams in space. Don't forget. We're, yeah. gonna be, right. we're all going to be fine. Uh, of course, they're going to wipe us off the map. But. Tell me your story. It is incredible. And I need our listeners, our viewers to uh, hear and, and see this. This uh, you had you had quite an ordeal. I did. I did. Uh, this book that I wrote is, is because of that. 
Um, I included obviously a little bit more about me and my career and my human trafficking investigations. That's my subject matter expertise and uh, the border and, and narcotics trafficking. I've worked most of my career uh, on the border. And then uh, back in 2008, I actually was uh, permanently assigned first uh, on the other side of uh, El Paso, Texas and Juarez, where uh, at that time it was the most dangerous city in the world. Right now, it's the second second most dangerous city in the world, right behind Tijuana. Mm. Uh, so as you can imagine, this is over 10 years ago, and the violence hasn't changed. These cartels are out of control, and we'll talk more about the cartels. But um, my, my assignment then went to the U.S. Embassy in Mexico City, and uh, I was doing really, really good work, was able to be successful in taking down numerous human trafficking organizations and rescued countless women and children from these horrific conditions that were being trafficked in the U.S., all over the U.S., New York, Houston, Atlanta, Miami, you name it. Um, and then February uh, 15th, 2011 came around. I got assignment to go from the U.S. Embassy in Mexico City to Monterey and meet our agents from the Monterey ICE office to pick up some uh, equipment from them. It was kind of a botched assignment. I challenged it because of the security issues. And I'll quote my deputy attache, my, my supervisor's supervisor that said that he wasn't aware of any security issues in Mexico. Wow. And I said, if, if, if you say that while you're in charge of the office, uh, you're either incompetent or, or, or doing it on purpose, right? Because, uh, of course, the whole country of Mexico is a security issue. Mm -hmm. It's been like that, and it's worse now. Uh, and nevertheless, I get ordered and... I get assigned uh, Special Agent Jaime Zapata to go with me. Uh, Agent Zapata had just arrived in the country just a week before uh, on a temporary duty assignment from the Laredo office helping on a big arms trafficking investigation. And it, anyway, they say, you're going to take uh, Agent Zapata with you to help you drive. I said, okay. I had an armored vehicle issued with, to me. We take off on February 15th, make contact with uh, our agents, pick up that equipment, which was a lot of equipment. It filled up the whole back of the Suburban. On the way back, uh, I was still driving. We stopped and ate at a Subway restaurant because Agent Zapata saw Subway in a churches. And he's like, what are these restaurants doing in Mexico? <laughs> and I tell him, they're all here. It's just a little bit different, but yeah. they're all here. And so we ate Subway, and I threw him the keys after lunch. I said, it's your time to, to drive. And within 15 minutes of him driving, we were ambushed, uh, event, uh, surrounded by two SUVs full of Zeta cartel members. Now, we didn't know there were Zeta cartel members at the time but they were armed with AK-47s and handguns. They forced us off the road to the right shoulder, and um, uh, eventually uh, there's a lot of commotion, a lot of chaos. Uh, my window, my armored window of the Suburban came down a couple of inches in, in our attempt to lock the doors, and they were able to, able to introduce an AK-47 and a handgun right by my head. And uh, I raised the window, I caught the barrels of both guns, and uh, you know, try to brace myself from not, you know, away from the barrels. And without notice, they opened fire into the cabin, striking uh, Agent Zapata, who was driving multiple times on the side and lethally uh, in his leg with an AK-47 round. I got shot three times, once in the chest and twice in my left leg. Um, I wrestled the handgun, uh, burned my hand severely. And then uh, eventually they pulled the guns out. I raised the window and they shot over 100 rounds at us. And so I'm here before you by the grace of God. Uh, they left, the, you know, we, we crashed. I tried to get out of the X and, and put the vehicle back on the road. Agent Zapata was already becoming unresponsive. 
the vehicle went into the median, and I saw the SUVs leave, and one of them actually came back, did a U-turn, parked right in front of the Suburban. Two shooters came out with AK-47s and stood right, right in front of me and just shot through that uh, bulletproof window, They're trying to penetrate the, the mm -hmm. bulletproof glass. And um, uh, thankfully, they did not. And you see, you can see pictures online if you Google it. Eventually, they left. I called for help. There's a call online that I called the U.S. Embassy, kind of a distress call. And um, eventually, I was able to call uh, the only person I trusted from the Mexican Federal Police was the head of our vetted unit. We had a unit that we vet through polygraph examination. I called him. He was able to dispatch a helicopter from Mexico City. We were in the middle of a Highway 57, about five hours from Mexico City. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, the cavalry showed up about 40 minutes later. I detail, uh, obviously, a lot more details in the book of the shooting. And um, eventually, they flew us to a local hospital in the state of San Luis Potosí, where Agent Jaime uh, passed. And uh, I was treated by the trauma unit there. And that's where the fear set in for me because I know the cartels go and finish people. Mm -hmm. And I tell the story about me refusing any IV or any medication because I thought uh, the hospital staff was gonna kill me. Uh, as you know, the cartels are corrupt everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually the, the, the SWAT kind of type uh, elite units showed up from the federal police and surrounded the uh, building, made it secure and said, you're, you're safe, uh, Avila. And uh, they, the hospital staff thought that we were Mexican federal police officers, mm. which was to my advantage, because I, I didn't want to tell them, I didn't identify myself. But once it was secure, I remember going off on them and telling them, as a proud American, I'm an American, I'm, I'm a US embassy employee, I'm a US diplomat, um, I'm a special agent with ICE, and they're kind of like, oh my goodness, we have an international incident in our hands here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the story goes on, the aftermath, probably worse, uh, ended up being worse. Uh, this was all happening under the Obama administration. We, f we find out two of the weapons recovered from that attack were part of a, the Fast and Furious operation that allowed guns to walk from the U.S. into Mexico. Yeah, scan scandal-free administration, yeah. let me remind everybody. Right, yeah, right. That's and, what they claim. And so um, it was a nightmare to say the least for myself and my family. My, my wife and two kids were with me in Mexico. They had one hour to pack a bag and they extracted them from, from Mexico in a very unique fashion. Uh, eventually we, we uh, were able to reunite in Texas uh, and then um, started moving all over the place. Uh, the Obama administration did a good job of keeping me from everyone else, not a good thing. They, mm -hmm. they, they were able to keep me quiet, not talk to anyone. They kept my coworkers and everyone away from me. And, and my coworkers and my friends would tell me, they, they told me to stay away from you, Victor. Don't email them, don't talk to them. Eventually my email was canceled. My law enforcement call sign was canceled. Uh, they took my guns, they, you know, I was on the clock, mm -hmm. but I wasn't a working agent. Yeah. Um, and so if you fast forward till 2015, I, uh, I went in, uh, looked for a retirement to separate. I wanted an early retirement. They denied that, but I was granted a medical retirement. Wow. This is a, one of the scary parts of that, the very beginning where you said the only person you trusted mm -hmm. to call within the Mexican, you know, government. And that just how deep the corruption 
goes. Yeah, the, the, I remember him um, when I called him and he was able to dispatch the helicopter. He gave me the name and badge number of the commander that was going to show up at the scene. And I have since eventually talked to him in person. Um, but when he showed up to the window of the Suburban, I made him get out his credentials from his wallet <laughs> and he put it through because I had very limited uh, visibility because of all the gunshots. And I remember putting it through the crevice and I was trying to read his name because I wasn't going to open the door for anyone. Wow. And um, so the fear, that was the fear that set in. And I talk about this in the book. Uh, um, I felt like such an outsider and a foreigner. Um, even though I'm from uh, Mexican descent, my parents came from Mexico legally. I felt like I was in China. Mm. It, it was such an ugly feeling that I couldn't trust anybody. I um, so felt alone. And it's a very ugly feeling to go through that, knowing that you're working in that country. You're trying, you know, you have the U.S. mission to advance the U.S. mission to help not only the U.S., but the Mexican government as well. But, um, but that's not the case. And I, I, I'm not shy to say it. They're not on our side. Mexico is not on our side. They don't like us. Right. Uh, and you see what's happening in the crisis on the border. We're not getting the support that we need. President Trump was able to get to them with by telling them, and you know, we're going to put sanctions on you. We're going to raise tariffs on you. And we're going to, uh, I'm going to stop the money repatriating back by the illegal aliens. That's $28 billion a year that they sent back there. If that money stops flowing south, Mexico will crumble. And the president of Mexico said, oh, wait a minute, I'll, I'll put the National Guard and stop the people, right? But that's all gone under the Biden administration. That, that's, that's, that's what you see right now is this, this crisis down there that we have. Yeah. And it, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. To not even accept medication when you've been shot, yeah. like that, that resonated with me. Like no IVs, nothing, because you're just, you're afraid that they're going to. Nothing. They were so concerned about my, uh, my blood pressure because it was through the roof and my adrenaline because it wouldn't come down. Mm -hmm. um, the U.S. Embassy doctor and the U.S. personnel showed up about four or five hours later. And, that, and even the U.S. Embassy doctor says, Victor, I need to bring you down. He wanted to give me some medication. And I didn't want to take it. I didn't want to take it. Uh, eventually, when they flew me out to Houston in the middle of the night, DEA let us borrow their plane. And uh, they got me out. Um, he said, I'm going to have to give you something. I said, okay, I'll take it. It kind of knocked me out a little bit to bring down my blood pressure and my mm. heart rate. Wow. That's a, it's a wild ride, man. And, you know, that's, that's why we talk about things like the concept of assimilating is so important, right? Because it's, it's not a bad word. This mm -hmm. is, we, we have completely different culture. We have, I mean, we have, you have folks south of the border that, They've been trained and, and brainwashed since childhood, since infancy, right. that, that human life doesn't matter. I mean, it's all about protecting the, the cartel. It's about protecting uh, what they're doing and, and their flow of cash. And they'll destroy anything, anyone that stands in the way. Uh, and we talk about, talk about, you say, yeah, well, that happened in Mexico. Well, just a couple of years ago, the guy got shot in front of the courthouse. Mm -hmm. was a cartel hit right there in Southwick. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So... If you think that you're immune to this, you're not. It's it's everywhere. And and then you add in the MS-13 gangs, which are all over the nation at this point. So it's a it's a scary, scary thing. This could happen Main Street, USA. So it, yeah, two things I want to say about assimilation, and uh, I give credit to my parents because uh, I think that this is how important I think it is. My parents got married three times. 
-hmm. When my parents came from Mexico, they first went to California. They got married in, in Mexico. They got to California and they felt they needed to marry in, in yeah. the U.S., so yeah. they got married in California. Then they moved to El Paso, and they got married again in El Paso. <laughs> That's assimilation. That's assimilation. <laughs> that is, uh, my parents are, are um, they became Americans. They're both naturalized U.S. citizens, uh, and and they proudly wave that U.S. flag. My dad, you know, he has a light on it at night. He never brings That's that awesome. flag down. That's awesome. And, and, and uh, I'm very proud of that. And, and so that, and I'll shift over to the cartels because the cartels are present in every part of our country. Mm -hmm. These cartels are not even the same as when I was there 10 years ago. Yeah. These guys are highly sophisticated networks, organizations. They're not drug gangs anymore. These guys, besides being heavily armed, uh, trained, they've got the money, they've got the intelligence. They know exactly what's going on, not just on the Mexican side, but on the U.S. side. That's why they're able to shift immediately with whatever Border Patrol is doing. And guess what Border Patrol is doing right now? Taking care of the kids and the family right. units. Exactly. They're not patrolling the border. Yeah. And, and, and so they're having a free-for-all. The meth, the fentanyl continues to come in, the cocaine, the heroin, even more so now. Mm -hmm. uh, I was down there. I went to the border a couple of weeks ago. Hang tight real quick because we're going to get into that. Okay. But we got to take a quick break. Um, let's talk about TACPAC for a minute. Uh, premier monthly subscription box for military tactical prepper and Second Amendment enthusiasts. If you don't think you need some TACPAC in your life, just listen to Victor's story a, a time <laughs> or two. Uh, with new attacks on the Second Amendment rights, now is, the, is, is important for you to be able to get equipped, right? And TACPAC's gonna help you do that. $49.95 a month, you get at least $100 worth of gear from different companies like 511, Sons of Liberty, Gunworks, Mission First, Arm Tactical, Arm Spec, whole lot more. You get AR-15 parts and accessories, EDC tools, knives, and gear to keep you prepared for when it hits the fan. And trust me, it's all over the wall right now. The next pack is a perfect jumping in point to see what these boxes are all about. Lots of variety in this one, seven items total that include range gear, tools, EDC apparel, and a whole lot more. Go to TACPAC.com and sign up today. Use promo code CHAD at checkout to receive a free extra bag of tactical stuff shipped out with your first pack. Don't wait. These are flying off the shelf. They usually sell out before the deadline, and they have the last few months. Go to TAC. That's T-A-C-PAC.com. Sign up today. TACPAC.com. Offer code CHAD. We'll be right back. You need to grab Victor's book, uh, agentunderfirebook.com is where you can get it, agentunderfirebook.com. Uh, gripping story, a lot of details that are in that, but you, you, as you alluded to before the break, and we were talking the other night, you just got back from the border. What, what's going on down there? Well, I had to go down there. I, uh, I, I stay on top of it on a daily basis with my colleagues and other sources, but this was like, you know, unique. I said, I have to go see it for myself. Yeah. And let me tell you, Chad, as a, as a seasoned agent, um, I was blown away by what I saw down there. It is, it is beyond a crisis. It's a dire, dire situation down there. I went down to the river. This is McAllen, Texas, Hidalgo County, uh, Mission, Texas area. Mm -hmm. I went down to the agents and I spoke with them directly. And, I, and I, you see the videos of the migrants walking on those roads. It's about a two-mile walk from the river 
to where they turn themselves in, the first contact they have with Border Patrol in- agents. They're not apprehensions. Mm-hmm. They're turning themselves right. in. When I was there, there was about 400-plus individuals, men, women, and children, under those bridges. And I talked to the agents, and they were very apprehensive. I had never seen the agents on edge like this, beyond beyond being overwhelmed and, and everything else they're going through. They just want to work and do their job and they tell me this is not we don't know how to do this we're not medical assistants we're not transporters so the other day i made a a social media post i said you want you want to solve the crisis one of the big things we got to do is we've got to let ice agents and border patrol do their job simple as that do their job simple as that they're not not doing it they're not doing it and forget the interior enforcement uh you know when biden you know paused the 100 day of deportation another signal come over you only have 100 days to come over right uh, anyway, I talked to them, and uh, they're telling me incredible information that um, of the individuals coming over. First of all, the 400-plus individuals that were there, I was still under the assumption that they were going to go to the Donna facility that we've all seen on TV. Mm-hmm. No, these went straight to the street. And I said, what's going on? They said, yeah, we're going to put them on a bus, and they're going to downtown McAllen, Texas, and they're going to get on a board, on a bus, or an airplane. I followed them. They put them on a on a bus. I followed them to downtown McAllen, Texas. They get off. They go into a tent that FEMA had set up. I don't even know if it's even up right now anymore. They were doing some COVID testing at least because they weren't even doing that. No DNA testing with the kids and these individuals. Let me tell you, it's a, every man, woman, and child had one or two children at least with them. Um, you don't know if they're, they're actual children or not, or yeah. their parents or next of kin. No, no NTA, no notice to appear. The official document that they need to show up to court whenever their court date comes up in three years, which we know they're gonna, not going to show up anyway. Mm. But that wasn't even issued. They were released almost with no documentation. And I follow them. They get COVID tested. If they're negative, they go into this Catholic Charities, highly suspect. I went into the Catholic Charities. I don't even know if anybody else has had access in there. But they, the, the guard, the 22-year-old guard, let me in. By the way, he's had COVID three times, the wow. poor kid, because of all the con- contact with all the illegals coming through. Highly organized. They have uh, all the, uh, the shampoos and everything. Like It looks like a grocery store in there. They give them clothing. They give them toiletries. They give them a meal. And then they come out with money. They had come out with some envelope with paperwork in there. I, 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 I'm trying to get access to what's inside that envelope. Um, but they're telling me there's money in there, enough money to, to board, uh, buy a bus ticket or an airline ticket. And I saw them board that buses, and I saw them board uh, airlines, Southwest Airlines and, and uh, American Airlines without identification. Mm. And when I was at the airport, I even talked to the border agent. I got out of the line and I said, listen, I'm not going to be able to go through if I don't show my ID. But why are all these illegals getting through without an ID? What are they using to get on the on the plane? Well, they're using our paperwork, either the Form 213, which is a demographic form of name, ID, uh, uh, date of birth, uh, and, and address. And I said, well, who gave you that information? Well, the alien did. Well, and they're taking their word for it. And that's it. They board a plane, and here you go, throughout the country coming to a town near you. Yeah. And that's where the real problem is going to start. Yeah. When they come to your town and the, your town is going to be uh, having to absorb these individuals into the education system, the criminal justice system, the healthcare system, you're going to see what's going to happen and the differences. And this is not fear mongering. This mm-hmm. is reality because the border challenge is already, it's already happening. You see Democrat mayors already calling for help. 
because they don't know what to do when they drop three, 400 kids at a time. When they have a, a, a small school system of 1,000 students, you dump 400 students. Oh, and the Border Patrol agents tell me a lot of them are illiterate. They can't read or write Spanish, mm. let alone English. And a lot of health conditions, tuberculosis, uh, whooping cough. I mean, a lot of problems. And our communities are going to face these real issues around the whole country. Mm. So that's why I say your local elected officials are going to, uh, it's the most important to be paying attention to them now. They are going to start making decisions. Your city councilman, your, ma your mayor, your school board, your county commissioners, they're going to make decisions. Are they going to make decisions that are going to favor U.S. citizens or illegal aliens? Yeah. And I've said over and over again that uh, we've got this white guilt complex right that we've go oh we've mistreated red people brown people and black people in the past now now we, we've got to make atone for our sins and you know we've got to take care of the folks at the border now they're coming and and that that when you're sitting in ohio somewhere and not dealing with this it's it's easy to to cast judgment say you guys need to be compassionate down there well guess what ohio they got plane tickets coming to you uh, it, 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 and the Biden administration understands that the further these folks move into the interior of the mm -hmm. country, the harder it is for them to ever leave. You, mm -hmm. Now, you, you can't, you well, can't not, get them deported. back to, they're not going back home. They're not. He's not deporting them to begin with. Right. ICE is not doing any enforcement. Um, there was an operation a couple of months ago. As soon as Biden became president, he, he stopped Operation Talon. This is an operation by the other side of ICE, the enforcement removal operations, that was removing convicted sex offenders illegally in our country. And he said, get rid of that operation. If you can't get rid and deport illegal aliens convicted of sex offenses in our country, then who can you deport? Mm -hmm. Those are the worst of the worst. Mm. This is the, the, the path that we're headed with this administration. And it's a public safety issue. It's a, it's a national security issue. Because remember the two Yemenis that were arrested yeah. uh, last, uh, and they were arrested in March, and there was 11 Iranians arrested right. in, in Arizona a couple of months ago. These individuals from special interest countries are also coming in. It's not just Mexico and Central America. There's Chinese, Haitians, Cubans, uh, Middle Easterners, uh, South Americans. People from all over the world are coming through Mexico because they got the signal, come mm -hmm. on in. Yeah. I keep I keep saying it's you know Motel Six. We'll leave a light on for you, and that that thing is shining like a lighthouse right now. And what is our state government doing? Well, um, great question because Texas DPS and I saw a huge presence of them, and the troopers are actually are the ones doing the patrolling right now. They're on the river with their boats. Uh, they're doing great jobs. They've rescued uh, uh, little kids that were almost drowning in yeah, the river. Yeah, I saw that. They've done great work because the border patrol is not there. And yeah. so, but they only have certain jurisdiction when it comes to the border. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the immigration, that's not their jurisdiction. You still mm -hmm. need to hand it over to Border Patrol. So do we have uh, like our state guard? Are they down there as well? No, not yet. It's not uh, yet. I, I don't, what is our governor? In, in he Chad in was our governor. Them? They would have been down there well, we six had, months ago. We had 25,000 for the inauguration, right? There should be a, down at the border. Yeah. yeah. They should be down it's, at the border. Uh, yeah. And, and hang on, we got to take a quick little break here, but uh, I want to get into some solutions as, as we're moving forward because identifying the crisis is one thing, solving it is a complex issue, and I want us to talk a little bit about that. 
meanwhile, our corporations, uh, they're meddling in our democracy and canceling free speech. you got to support companies that support our values and believe in the Constitution. If you haven't already, go to patriotmobile.com slash chad right now. Uh, switch over today. Bring your own phone. Get 50% off your first two months plus a free Patriot starter kit. And while you're there, you can enter to win a, a free phone and cellular service for life. All the details are on my special page, patriotmobile.com slash chad. Patriot Mobile's got the broadest nationwide coverage. Uses the same towers as all the other major carriers, so you get the same great service. Plus, they got plans to fit any budget, including multi-line discounts. It's easy to switch. Go to patriotmobile.com slash chad, or you can call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders are going to save even more, so make the switch today. Get the discount. A free starter kit, a chance to win cellular service for the rest of your life with offer code CHAD. I spell it Chad. Uh, that's patriotmobile.com slash chat or call 972-PATRIOT. Be right back. All right. The cartels are in control. The cartels are determining the destiny of Mexico at this stage in the game, determining our destiny in many ways. Uh, it's ugly. We've got traffickers. You know, they, they, they're distracting uh, law enforcement that is there. They drop a kid over the, over the fence. All the resources go to that, right? And we, we all love children, so we've got to have our compassion. <clears throat> Can't say things that are too strong about anybody because, oh, these are the children, right? It's the kids in the cages. It's the... All of these different things. And, and it, they control that narrative, right? But the crisis is there. Real stuff. Human traffickers making $15 million a day. Um, and, and my friend called me the other day. He's coming back from Mexico. He said, all lanes are open. They're just waving people through. Uh, they're not even stopping to check credentials in, in vehicles. What is the solution? What do we do? There's a lot of solutions there that I even outlined in my book. First, let's talk cartels. They need to be designated as foreign terrorist organizations. I know mm -hmm. Governor Abbott sent a letter to Biden administration asking for that. Uh, it goes through the State Department first. Um, I've been talking about that for years. They should have been designated a long time ago. This would open up different resources like DOD resources. And most importantly, we get to seize their assets, their money. You know, the, a lot of people that push back uh, about that designation, they say, well, they're not like ISIS. You know, they're not like the Al-Qaeda. Al I don't care about the ideology. They're, as, they're worse and violent than those, than those organizations, yeah. those, those terrorist organizations. And uh, their money and power is their ideology. Let's take away the, that. Let's take away the money. Um, it, would, it would allow uh, the gangs in the United States that work with the cartels they would then be associating with a terrorist organization, mm. so they would become one themselves. We would see people raise their hands and say, wait a minute, I'm not in Chicago, these gangs, I'm not, I'm not dealing with the terrorist organizations because you're going to go to prison for life. Mm. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll go to go, put you in Guantanamo because you're a terrorist organization, the Sinaloa cartel, the cartel Jalisco New Generation, uh, the Zetas cartel. The, you're, they're now terrorists. If you start uh, communicating with ISIS today, you're going to get a knock on your door by FBI. Mm -hmm. Well, if you start uh, dealing drugs with Sinaloa, we're going to come and pick you up the same way. And uh, I think that was the best way to do it. That's the way to uh, dismantle these organizations. Uh, other solutions is we need to, uh, I outlined this also in the book, send a surge down to the border. Let's have a skeleton crew 
uh, in DC to take care of administrative work and let's send our 20,000 border patrol agents down to the border, our HSI ICE agents and officers down to the border with the National Guard, minimum 18 months and it's sealed that border. Let's re-implement the Title 42 for the pandemic uh, that remain in Mexico. These policies were working. They were working by keeping these people back. The signal needs to be sent uh, to the rest of the world that if you come to this country, you're going to be detected, you're going to be detained, and you should be possibly prosecuted. Remember, they're coming in illegally. It's a violation of 8 U.S.C. 1325, mm -hmm. illegal entry to the United States. If you start putting people for their first-time offense six months in federal prison, they're going to start thinking twice about coming here. But that word needs to be spread like a wildfire, mm. saying, well, wait a minute, I don't want to go to prison if I go to the United States. They need to know that there's a consequences versus I'm going to get free stuff when I yeah, get to the get United States. Yeah, get an envelope of cash. Right, right. And so that's another solution I see. There, there's many that we, uh, Mexico, whether we like it or not, they have to be part of this solution. Mm -hmm. We have to include them. We have to do what we have to do with Mexico. And I'm talking about making, making them do it. Which because is what Trump did, you said earlier. That's right. Trump did, did this. He got on the phone with president of Mexico and said, I'm going to raise your tariffs. I'm going to raise your, uh, uh, I'm going to stop the, the money that flows, uh, that's re repatriated back from the illegal aliens in this country to Mexico, which is $28 billion a year. That would crumble Mexico. Mm -hmm. what, did, what did AMLO do? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I'll put the National Guard down on our southern border. Um, and it worked. But Biden comes in and they're not doing anything. Right now, the, the Mexican government and the National Guard are giving out these, for all intents and purposes, even, even when I was there, they give them, it's not a pass, but it's like a, I call it a ticket, a free ticket to go to the U.S. They go to INM, which is a Mexican immigration service. They get this permit and then they waive that permit everywhere. Even if the National Guard stops them, say, hey, I got the permit. Well, guess what? They paid for the permit. Mm. And even some National Guard are being paid. It's all corrupt down there. And they, they're being waved through. We know they're being waved through because we're seeing them come into our country, yeah. hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, they're, they're estimating a million by summer. Oh, uh, yeah. We've had 100,000 in the last month. Uh, compared to last year, the same month, 27,000. Uh, these numbers are astronomical. We throw around such numbers that it kind of becomes white noise mm -hmm. at this point. And I know that there's a lot of people watching the show right now and they're commenting on the live chat talking about build the wall, build the wall, build the wall. We do need to build the wall, but the wall's not the end all solution. No. It's just, it's, it, it's, it, it's part of that puzzle. It is. Yeah. I talk about, I have a, a section there about the wall and uh, people will get a good understanding of what the wall would do. I remember the, the, the cases that I worked where I saw SUVs full of drugs just drive by the river down mm -hmm. in Hudspeth County. It's not, there's no, hardly any water like it is down mm -hmm. here in the valley. And so uh, uh, backpackers with hundreds of pounds of, of weed would come over and just dump them on the other side. Uh, but now it's cocaine, heroin, fentanyl and pills, counterfeit pills. Mm -hmm. These guys are, are, are making a killing these cartels with that kind of money and they're just driving across. That's what where the wall stops that type. And I understand that it's not a solve all, it's an additional tool, but let me tell you, Border Patrol wants that tool. Sure. Mm -hmm. They need that tool. Yeah. I also understand that the wall has already been, that is funded and the material is there and the and the construction workers are there. I saw they're just it. not allowed to 
the planks of the wall, I saw them, the, uh, they stopped abruptly. I know that the DHS secretary said last week we're going to go build and, and stop some of the uh, and mm -hmm. build some of the gaps. Well, there's a lot of gaps. Yeah. You know, uh, I want the whole wall to be done. Mm -hmm. But um, they there's the infrastructure around the wall, uh, roads that Border Patrol needs to patrol that those areas that were were destroyed because of the construction. They need to go back and at least fix that and finish those projects. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Well, I was just, Victor, given the your February 15th event, 2011, um, and knowing how infiltrated we are in the U.S., do you feel like you have a bounty on your head? Do you still live in fear? Do you think somebody could come after you? Great question, Natalie. No, no. Um, at first, you know, no, the answer is no. I, 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 I purposely do not. I still live my life like I did as a law enforcement agent. You know, I always have security. In my, in my mind, in my house, with my family, in my firearm, I carry my firearm and all that. Um, but no, I can't live my life that way. Um, if somebody wants to take me out, I guess they would, right? Anywhere. Mm -hmm. I could die anywhere. That's, you know, I didn't die that day. And, mm -hmm. and but no, I, I really don't think that these guys are doing that. They're all in prison. And there's there's horrific things that are going on with our case there. Uh, the murder char charge that was uh, used to convict them was dismissed by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal last year. Dismissed. So as I talk to you right now, they're not, they're not in prison for the murder of Special Agent Jaime Zapata. They're there for my attempted murder and, and uh, weapons charges. Hmm. We're going to have to go back to D.C. This time, sometime this year to beg the judge to please resentence them to life because now they're not looking at life. They're looking at up to life. You know what up to life means? Mm -hmm. Five years, 10 years, 20, right. we don't know. And um, so it's, a dev it's devastating to the Zapata family. Um, I talk to them a lot, and, and this is that we're, st we're still dealing with that. Jeez. So they're in our federal prison? They're on our, in U.S. federal prison, yes. Okay. They're all in Supermax in Colorado. They're going to be brought out and resentenced, and um, I'm hoping they do. We have a law, uh, Senator Cornyn, and, and, and a bipartisan law to change that because what they used, uh, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals said, well, this happened extraterritorially. It happened outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so th therefore the murder statute doesn't apply, Ugh. even though it's been used many times before. Jeez. And um, so we have a law right now at, at the le legislation hoping to pass, which is the most ironic thing in the world to me that it might end up passing under the Biden administration, but it didn't pass under the Trump administration yeah. because they wouldn't give Trump anything. Yeah. And, uh, but nevertheless, we hope it passes because we still have uh, agents serving abroad everywhere around the world. Man, broken system. Hang tight. Be right back. The name of the book, Agent under fire you can get it agent under uh check it out you need to uh, get a copy you need to read it look how handsome you are in this picture here wow <laughs> i love it dude um i want to have you back i want to have you back there's so much we could talk about and uh every time we have a conversation i learn so i'm um i appreciate you i really do thank you Chad. And, thank uh, you for having me thankful for you thankful that you're by the grace of god here and uh and able to tell that story and our prayers certainly for the Zapata family as they're still dealing with this with this trial yep. situation or this this court situation that's just ludicrous. Um, I tell you, man, uh, while you pray and pray for our country, uh, we're in we're in some deep stink here, and uh, 
We've got the wrong administration in there to fix it. Uh, I want you guys to go to watchchad.com. That's where all the fun stuff is. Check us out. I got my yellow rose shirt on right here. Yesterday was San Jacinto Day, so I identify as Texan. Uh, pick up a ticket. Come see us. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, we're going to be at the uh, National Cowboy Hall of Fame and Western Heritage Museum. And uh, National Livestock Commission is actually sponsoring that show for us. Did yeah. I get that right, Allison? Who is it? Western Livestock Commission. There you go. You're close. I was close. It's, it's a mouthful when you say all those things. We're going to be there. Jesse Payton's going to be with me. The Ragamuffins are going to be there. Found out we're going to be singing the national anthem at the Texas Rangers Woo-hoo! baseball game. Now, I know a lot of people are going, oh, we're mad at the MLB. We're mad at the Major League Baseball. Well, I'm still going to sing the national anthem at the baseball <laughs> game. still going to be there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just one of those things. Hey, y'all have a great weekend. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.